Revolutionary Talk for Revolutionary Times. Promoting peace, liberty, and prosperity around the clock. LibertyTalk.fm. Wits is in his normal castle back in Riverwoods, Illinois, but I hear that Roz is uh, Roz is traveling. He's in the car yet again. Um, why don't you tell the listeners what you're doing, Roz? I hear a little highway in the background. I love it. Cruising down Route 66. Um, what are you up to? Well, I wish it was historical Route 66, but I'm actually cruising on Highway 5, or out here they call it the 5. I don't understand. I understood... A little bit of why Ohio State thinks they have the colonies to call themselves the Ohio State University. But every highway out here gets the the or the the in front of it, and it's just like it becomes less special. I think moments like that when you dictate who deserves a the and a the really defines a person. It's almost calling somebody a legend opposed to a great. So I'm on V5 um, going to San Francisco to visit our buddy Matt, who has been on the show before. So shout out to Matt. We almost... Uh, Tried to get him on the show, but I didn't get up to San Francisco fast enough. I am uh, currently driving in a pack of all-white cars. This is a very prejudiced highway at this point in time. But, uh, yeah, that's my weekend plan, hanging out in San Francisco. I do want to point out that I am one of the greatest multitaskers dash podcasters in the world because I have not only traveled to so many different states, but I have done this podcast on the road to various and a wide variety of areas. I just want to put that out in the universe. I've driven the coast to coast, potentially, all doing a podcast. So I just want to put that out there. But, Xander, I hear you're very excited. To me, I think this episode, due to the middle of the summer, is very much an episode of Revelations. We will talk a little bit about the All-Star game, I'm assuming, because the teams are out. But we've got a lot of Revelations coming up. We do a lot of Revelations, and I have a beef. I have a bone to pick with not only you, but I Starting with the first one now. Yeah, I have a bone to pick with our number one super fan, Jared Rubin. Um, so shout, little, shout out, Jared Rubin. Shout out. Um, and you as well. I, uh, my beef is almost equally as big. But a little, little, uh, little backstory here, Rube, um, being number one fan, likes to text us his takes on Monday when he listens to the show. Um, you know, a little snippet of what we said. He'll, he'll have a comment on it. Um, usually agree with him. But I was a little, I was a little offended this week. I was very, actually, very offended that one of my takes last week was just ripped apart by Rube over text, 
and now I'm going to have my time to shine because this is this is my my podcast and Roz's. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna read the text, and I've got a bunch of stats. I did more research on this one minuscule topic than I have done almost for the entire show in 2018 because um, I'm more of a freewheeling type of guy. But I wanted to back some of these up. So Rube Monday at 1:17 p.m said the psycho take of the week goes to Xander saying that Carl Anthony Towns is better than Jimmy Butler. Now, first of all, I beg to differ that that is a psycho take. I am completely okay with somebody telling me that Jimmy Butler is a better player than Carl Anthony Towns, but don't you dare sit there and tell me that it is that clear cut with 100% certainty that Jimmy Butler is a better player and that you could not make an argument for Carl Anthony Towns. That's my first part of the beef. Any any comments so far, Roz, or do you just want me to keep rolling through my stats because I've got a lot of them ready to go? Uh, I just have a quick comment. This is all stemming from last week's show when we brought up the idea of Jimmy Butler going to New York and his beef with the current team he's on, the Minnesota Timberwolves. But I've already developed two revelations, which is going to be the key word of this entire but I want you to finish your rant before I state what I've what I've learned. Okay, um, you you might have to cut me off because I got a lot of numbers here to go through. But first, go I'm, ahead. I'm, I'm I, gonna, you can run with it. Sure, I'm going to take you through some some regular season stats, and I'm not a huge stats guy. You know, you think of baseball. I think was really the first sport that kind of turned around on the saber metrics. Um, you know, it's not just about you know, ERA, wins, like batting average. There's other things that go on along with it. But I'm going to read off some stats, some career stats. Carl Anthony Towns, Jimmy Butler, points per game. Carl Anthony Towns takes it, 21.6 to 16.4. Rebounds per game. Carl Anthony Towns, 11.7. Jimmy Butler, 4.9. Assists per game. Jimmy Butler, 3.4. Carl Anthony Towns, 2.4. That's the first part of my argument. No, okay, now i got to jump in. Okay. You didn't realize how skewed that is, where Jimmy Butler's beginning of his career was playing with Tom Thibodeau, a guy who doesn't play rookies, so his minutes were limited. So that contributed to his points per game average, then that which extends over a longer period of time in Jimmy Butler's career than it does Carl Anthony Towns, where Carl Anthony Towns joined a team that he had to be the number one go-to, similar to a Kevin Love in Minnesota, where there had to be a scorer and a rebounder. Jimmy Butler in Chicago had other players scoring before he became the prolific scorer he is. I think that's that. Those using those stats is a little skewed, in my opinion. Okay, but fair. Continue on with your fair. Okay, now I'm going to go on to their their best season ever, points per game. Carl Anthony Towns still edges him out, 25.1 to 23.9, and this is this is not a backlash on Jimmy Butler. This is just my argument saying that I can make the argument that Carl Anthony Towns is just as good. But these aren't even the good stats yet. Best season ever, rebounds per game. Towns takes it 12 to 6. Assists per game, best season ever for the both of them. Butler takes it 5.5 to 2.7. So those are my first set of stats that I can make that argument and that at Rube, that was not a psycho take by me. My next set of stats, there we're getting into the Saber metrics. My first stat is VORP, value over replacement player. And I know there was some I know there was some arguments by Rube that the nerd stat that I threw out there was a little a little crazy. And I looked at it a little more. I don't really understand it. I don't know anything about it. But the value over replacement player, very good stat. You look at the top five guys, LeBron, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Damian Lillard, Nikola Jokic. So 
I think this is a very suitable metric, just and one of the many that you can use to compare other players. Guess who number six on the list is in 2018? It's Carl Anthony Towns. And I do not find Jimmy Butler on this list all the way down till number 17. That's stat number one. Win shares per 48 minutes. This is another stat that measures the and estimates the number of wins contributed by a player per 48 minutes. The top five players on the list are guys who played one game, two games. But looking at the next five, James Harden, Steph Curry, Chris Paul, Clint Capella, Anthony Davis, Carl Anthony Towns coming in at number six on the list. Jimmy Butler all the way down at number 27. And now for a stat that is much more well-known by everybody around the National Basketball Association that uses sabermetric stats, player efficiency rating. Player efficiency rating is a measure of per-minute production standardized such that the league average is 15. Carl Anthony Towns, number 20 on the list. Jimmy Butler, number 29. And that does, that takes into account just the games that they played. I know Jimmy Butler was injured for 17 games. Jimmy Butler's player efficiency rating was 23.7. Carl Anthony Towns was 24.9. So those are my six different lines of stats that show that my argument for Carl Anthony Towns being a better player, in my opinion, is warranted. I'm not saying that he is a better player. That's just my opinion. But it is very warranted. And there are so many stats in there. That's all the time we have here for the first segment, everybody. That was a sporting ad brought to you by Mostly Wits. Um, with a little bit of Roz. <laughs> you missed the show. You know where to find us. LibertyTalk.fm. AMFM247.com. Catch you What's up? What's up, everybody? We are back at the Sporting Edge, and I'm not getting off my soapbox because I have a lot more beans left to spill. Um, we're go- I'm going down this text chain that I was reading back on from Monday night, talking a little bit about the metrics and all that, um, and Rube saying, you know, I still think it's crazy. When Butler went out, they went from the four seed to barely making the eighth spot. Now we're going to take you through some team statistics, okay? So Jimmy Butler played the first 58 games of the season for the Timberwolves before he got hurt. First 57 games before he got hurt. The Timberwolves played a playoff team in 53% of those games, 31 out of the 58. In the 17-game stretch that Jimmy Butler was out, the Timberwolves played a playoff team in 58% of their games which may not seem like that much of a difference, but a 5% difference between 53 and 58% is a little under 10%. So you think about a 10% difference in the quality of teams they played over the stretch that Jimmy Butler was out makes a case for why the Timberwolves might have played a little worse. And I'm not discounting the fact at all that Jimmy Butler was an extremely important part of that team because you can make an argument that he is a better player. But I'm here to prove that them having a bad stretch, which Rube calls it in that 17 games, is just plain false. Because in those 17 games, the Timberwolves went 8-9, and nine, which I would not say is puking by any stretch. And an exact quote from Rube, I can only go off what happened, but he was their number one option, and with Butler out, they sucked. 
I would not call eight and nine sucked, especially when eight of the nine losses were three times to the number one seed in the West, Houston Rockets, one time to the number five seed in the West, Utah Jazz, one loss to the Boston Celtics, who were the number two seed in the East, one loss to the Spurs, who were a playoff team, seven seed in the West, one loss to the 76ers, who were the three seed in the East, one loss to the Portland Trailblazers, who were the three seed in the West, and their ninth loss came to the Memphis Grizzlies, who were terrible. But you look at eight of those nine losses were to playoff teams. They went eight and nine without Jimmy in that 17-game stretch, had wins also over Golden State and the Washington Wizards in that stretch. So with Butler, they were 34 and 24, and without him going eight and nine, when he came back, they were 42 and 33. They went from the four to the eight seed, but if you look at the at the regular season standings in the NBA in the West at the end of the year, had the Timberwolves won two more games over the course of the 82, they would have been the three seed in the West. So jumping down from four to eight, when you look at all the numbers at the end, they were two wins away from being the three seed over the Portland Trailblazers. That is my argument, um, and I'm sticking to it. Okay. And you I, know what? I'm all I'm all statted out now. I've got I've almost got no more energy left to talk. I was going to say, I don't know how you're going to finish the rest of the show here, but uh, let me just jump in, interject a little bit, because I'm impressed. On a right. scale of 1 to 10 in terms of impressed of you getting stats and everything, I'm at a definite solid 8.5. And, and those, there is I, I just want to pat myself on the back a little bit. Obviously, I didn't I didn't get the individual stats. I didn't ma- I didn't come up with those on my own. But all the, all the team stats, all the comparisons with the playoff, the percentages, and the end-of-the-year playoff standings, and who they lost to playoff-wise, the playoff teams, those are all wit stats. That was all little wits ingenuity. We, we got witsy. So let me, let me tell you where you're wrong. Because where you are right in some statistical values, you're wrong in terms of the player itself. Okay. Tell Fair. me. Before, before, God, before you go on, like I said, I preface the whole argument by saying I, I think Carl Anthony Towns is a better player. But I think you can definitely make an argument that Jimmy is a better player than him. That's just my opinion. But where I got very upset and very offended was saying that it was a psycho argument and that basically no argument could be made. And also, the argument about the team sucking with him out, I think I think was false. It was false because okay. they basically went 500, and eight of their nine losses were to playoff teams, and three of them were to the best team in the league during the regular season in the Houston Rockets. So that's... That's where I'm Fair. leaving it. But you got, you have to beat the top of the competition regardless of what setting you're in. I understand they took one from Golden State and one from Washington, but for them not to, to for them to lose all those games you stated, yes, they are above 500 teams. Yes, they were playoff teams, but that's you still got to beat them. There's no excuse, and Carl Anthony Towns should have been able to have some effect in that. Now let me he go did. on. Oh, what oh, I wanted oh, to wait, say. wait, I've got How more. Many- I've got more with Jimmy Butler on the floor. In those first 58 games, Carl Anthony Towns averaged pretty solid 21 and 12 and a half. And when Jimmy Butler was out in those 17 games, Carl Anthony Towns stepped up his game. He averaged 25 and 13. So increased his scoring by 20% and increased his rebounds by about one one or two rebounds. But when you're averaging 12 or 13 well, rebounds, yeah. I mean... You that, have to increase the scoring because you take your best score off the team. Let me I know. So, so I'm saying he, he stepped up. He did more than he had done before. 
Just saying. Again, that it wasn't good enough, though. Tell me when the Timberwolves were last in the postseason with Carl Anthony Towns. Well, when going, Jimmy Butler wasn't a part of their team. He wasn't. He's never okay, made it to the But see, before. now, Look th- at the th- this, is the, this is the third part of the argument. This is another argument. You guys are bringing up how, you know, they were bad without him and how Jimmy took the Bulls team to the playoffs. First of all, Carl Anthony Towns never had, had a chance to play on that Bulls team. So you, you can't, like, you can't say that Jimmy... Jimmy he's had Andrew team. Wiggins. He's had Ricky Rubio. He's had role players around him that if he was first, dominant Ricky enough Rubio like Anthony sti- Davis, he Ricky, could take to the postseason. Ricky Rubio stinks, first of all. And Andrew Wiggins isn't that good. He's okay. That Those are the facts. Fair. Here's my revelations as we start to head off of this trail. One, you're a thin skin like Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant this week responding to a middle school kid's tweet about his lack thereof of ability to win on his own and have that extra competitive edge like LeBron James. I thought it was funny, his response. You are thin-skinned because you were told you had a psycho take. And think about all the times we get texts on Monday from Rube where I get, Ethan, that was the dumbest take. Ethan, you are absolutely ignorant. Ethan, you had no sense in what you were saying. And you know what? I just move on and do the next show. Thin-skinned, I'm impressed with what you were able to conjure up because of that. But my revelation is Xander Horowitz or thin-skinned. Now, my second one is with Jared Rubin, who has the greatest nickname of all time, Scared Jared. Jared loves the takes on Monday, which I love getting from him. But if he were really manned up about it and wanted to get into an argument, instead of hiding behind the Monday morning text, Scared Jared could appear on the show with you to give us his takes and battle it out. I just want to say he's never battled it out on the show, ever. Well, those are my two revelations. I'm gonna I'm gonna Boom. back it up a little bit there. We haven't given him the chance to come back on the show, but I would love to have this argument with him. But I'm pretty I'm pretty can, I'm pretty I, statted he's out. Offered now. every week. If, uh, I don't know, but regardless, if you come to your house, it's just done. I I would not say thin skin. I would say somebody made a comment on a take that I made that was just it was wrong. So I, I took all my manpower, all my brain power, basically all that was left. And uh, I think I proved both of you wrong tonight, but I guess we will... I think you were looking for a man car. No, my man car was already there. I was just, well, I was simply, you know, proving myself right, which I, I most of the time am. I am driving through a desert, which is scary as heck, on a side note. But let me get to another NBA point since we're on that. I'm going to give you I'm gonna give you a W for the amount of effort you put into it. You get a W. I still think Jimmy Butler is better, but you get a W in an argument sense. And, if we were grading it in the class... Like we Six did for our senior year of high school. Fine. Fair? You did a great job. Fair. You fair. did a great job. Thank I'm going to go semi-fair. Appreciate it. You get, the, you get you At least you get the word fair. And, and this Basketball. is all... Wait, one more one more thing. And this is all saying, I, I don't care if you think Jimmy Butler is a better player. It's just... It's Fine. an argument that can be made. That's why you get semi-fair. Fine. That cat could be better. And we, and we did it. We did it. We did the argument. Well, I, so, Xander, I did, how much I did time do I have left to get us into our next topic? Uh, you get about twenty seconds, and then we can head off into the sunset cool. for the third. We're going to come back. We're going to come back from the break, and I'm going to explain to you why the Golden State Warriors are not a bad thing. After all I've done for two and a half years is wow. bitch and complain about the Golden State Warriors. That is my new take. Wow. Okay. Um, wow. I'm I'm just shocked because all you all you've done the past hundred shows is bash the Warriors. But that is all the time we have here for the Sporting Edge, everybody. If you miss a show, you know where to find us, libertytalk.fm, amfm247.com. Um, we got a little more NBA to talk about. We got to bring up some MLB. Um, World Cup is still going on, I think. 
Um, a lot of good stuff going on. Not really. It's middle of summer. But we got the All-Star Game coming <laughs> up, too. <laughs> so you know where to find us, LibertyTalk.fm, and we'll be back after the break. What's up, everybody? Bubba here. It's finally here. The long-awaited Bubba Report, bringing you news from all the trading floors across the globe. We've got Scott Chalady, the cow guy, as seen on CNBC, Fox, and Bloomberg. We've got Keith Bliss, CNBC, Fox, and a floor trader at the New York Stock Exchange. We've got The Badger, who writes the hot topics in the political news. We've got myself putting together my own unique indexes that will help you give you a better idea of what's going on in the market. All you need to do to get a hold of the Bubba Report is go to thebubbashow.org and sign up for the newsletter, or you can email me direct at bubba at thebubbashow.org. We want you to have this report because we've got over 150 years of experience talking about markets, getting ready for the trading, and puts you in the best position to have successful. So email me at bubba at thebubbashow.org to get a copy of your report or go right to the website, thebubbashow.org. Make sure you get it. It's a must-have for every investor and trader. The Bubba Report. What's up, what's up, everybody? This is Roz and Whit here at the Sporting Edge. Thought I'd try my name out first this time. I, I made a pretty bold claim. I'm going to simmer it a little bit. This is not a whole boiling take. This is more of a simmer of a take. I was sitting around the other day, like kind of stewing in my own thoughts about sports. And because I heard a lot of people talking about DeMarcus Cousins going to the Warriors, I had ripped that apart. I've heard a lot of talk about LeBron James being the greatest in terms of choosing to go to the Lakers and not joining another super team, where I never believe, I believe there will be another super team in the near future. I, I want to make, state my claim for why I think the Golden State thing isn't as bad as I blew it up to be. Wow. Golden State drafted three of these players. Understandably, they are all-stars and they won an NBA championship without Kevin Durant. Do I think Kevin Durant's move was one that showed he's a true competitor? No, I think he was a baby back bitch, like they say on part of my take, joined a super team, and they won it all. But why it doesn't hurt sports and why it shouldn't hurt the NBA is, one, dynasties have rid the NBA all time. You've got the Celtics, the Lakers, the Bulls won six of eight and would have won eight of eight, arguably, if Michael didn't get caught gambling so much and had to be forced out of the league. You've got the Heat who had a chance. It just came up short. You have the Lakers in the early 2000s who won six. The NBA has been dominated by dynasty. And I was thinking about it as a fan perspective. I know Golden State is just the worst place to be given credit for in terms of fans because they are bad fans. You can't tell me people in the Bay Area have ever cared about their sports teams. Maybe the 49ers in the 80s and 70s or early 90s. I forgot when they were winning it with Montana and Young. doesn't really matter. But you can't really give credit to those teams. Oakland, you know what? I think the Raiders have a great fan base out there. If they went on a dynasty, I think you have to give credit where credit's due. But Golden State cannot honestly say they have a good fan base. But before I got off on that little tangent, how happy everybody would be. Now, Xander, you're not really a team guy. That's what I get from you. You don't have a single team in my mind that I could pull out and say, this is Xander's team. He wants to see them win all the time. You're kind of flip-floppy on the Cubs and the White Sox. You don't really care about the Bulls. And when it comes to football, if it's not fantasy, you don't give a shit. I know you can say a little bit of credit to the Bears. But for people like Ruben, who I know is a Bulls fan, for people like Dylan Walsh, who's a diehard Cubs fan, there's nothing in the world they'd rather see than a team win six championships in a row. For me, if I could get the Packers to win six championships in a row with Aaron Rodgers, 
There's nothing in the world I'd rather have than that opportunity. And if that meant bringing Julio Jones and Odell Beckham Jr. in, holy hell, I would be in line to have that happen. So I think everybody who hates super hard on the Warriors needs to take one step back, look at it in a different perspective, totally hate on Kevin Durant. I'm all in for that. Totally hate on Boogie Cousins now. I'm in for that. But as a team that is dominating, I don't think you can say the Golden State Warriors are a fluke champion team or a fluke dynasty or a cheap dynasty. I just think that that's winning in sports, and definitely in the NBA you see that more often than not where there are teams winning consecutively and very often in a small dynasty sense. That is my two cents. That is my take. Feel free to get after me. (laughs) I don't really have anything to get after you about. I don't don't think people in general hate the Warriors and especially for myself I don't hate the Warriors I just hate what they've made the league become um I mean you look at them before before Kevin Durant that, came I, go ahead I, I think that's fair and that's what the argument I wanted to make was it's like you hate what the league has become but the league in a sense has always been that and it's not because people have been traded or free agents have signed to join teams but like if you think back there are super teams in themselves with the Lakers, Kareem and Magic, and the players around them. You've got the Celtics with Russell and Elgin Baylor. You've got the teams that have had more than one Hall of Famer on a team, and they're able to dominate. I mean, Michael and Scotty and Rodman and Kurt, like the teams were just stacked as is, and they had their runs. So has the NBA really been a league where there's variability? I don't think so. If you really look back, the Spurs with four of them, teams just win multiple championships at a time. I think the NBA, that's the easiest too because there is a lack of star-studded talent in the NBA, and I think that it translates year in and year out. Yeah, well, I mean, I think one of the problems right now in the league, wow, everybody got the windows down over there? No, I'm on rough road. Yeah, there, rough I don't road. know why this is happening. It's very unfortunate that I'm on this rough road, but I'm, gonna, I'm looking to greener pastures right now. Now we're on now we're on that less rough road. Okay. Well, you know, I think one of the problems, first of all, with the NBA, there's just too many there's too many teams. And like you said, not enough star to studded talent. There's a there's a lot of talent, but there's almost there's first of all, there's too many teams for that little amount of stars that makes the league what it is when you have, you know, three or four teams right now that are really good and you know, one that's way better than everyone else. You have too many teams. And the also I think the crabby thing about it is you have an entire regular season of games. You have 82 games that are essentially meaningless, except for those teams that sneak into the last, you know, the last playoff spots that have no chance, anyways. Um, so I, I think one of one of the main beefs, at least in my eyes, with the league is that you've got you've got so much wasted time. You know, if the if the league said we're gonna do we're gonna have four four playoff teams, that's it. That would make the regular season, I think, a lot more exciting. Because right now, we basically sit around with our thumbs in our butts for 82 games, knowing that there's only really two or three teams that have a chance to win. And it looks like this year, it's basically one team. I mean, I'd be very surprised if the Golden State Warriors did not win again. But, you know, just the lack of, or the too much, too much concentration of talent on too few teams. Um, there's too many games, too many teams. And there's just not a, there's not enough competition, and like you said, the NBA is, I think, one of the more predictable sports. Um, you know, MLB and NFL on any given year, a team can kind of rise up, maybe make a run, um, and it's a lot, it's a lot harder to make the playoffs in those leagues. I mean, you look at the you look at the MLB, you got the three division winners, you got the two wild cards, 
So you only a third of the only a third of the league makes the playoffs, and those four teams in the wild cards are fighting for one game to get to the next round. The NFL, you got the four division winners and the two wild cards. So it makes it makes the regular season a lot more exciting, which is I, I think just a huge benefit to the league. But the NBA, I think, is just kind of a bad league in general. But when you couple that, wow, I can't even hear myself talk with all the rough road. Why don't you, why don't you get on some paved road over there, buddy? be very real here or if you should pause it after that take because i literally couldn't hear anything but like mumbles for like a good stretch so that, what, what, what was the question you asked that's all right I, I didn't even ask a question i was just telling you to get on some smooth road but it seems like you're there now but my overall I'm take, on smooth road. yeah it sounds better now overall take was that nba is, is a bad enough league too many teams too many games in the regular season just too too much of everything and too little of the good stuff, which is, you know, basically the Golden State Warriors, Houston Rockets are pretty good. I mean, the Spurs were good for a while, but too much too much concentration on too too few teams. Um, it, it makes for a bad league, and that's why the off season is basically the most exciting part, uh, most exciting time in the NBA. Right, and I thought the off season was horrid this year, but we explained that last last week. I mean, the most exciting part now is Carmelo Anthony potentially going to the uh, Houston Rockets, and I just don't think that makes a difference in hell, not even a little bit. And look at this smooth road I'm on now. Woohoo! This is bad radio, bad podcasting, but gosh, the road I've been on has been treacherous. What a word. <laughs> All right. Um, let's take a little bit of a look around NBA free agency as a whole. A um, couple winners and losers. Interesting article uh, from CBS. It has the Lakers a little bit of both. Um, obviously, the unquestioned prize of the free agent market, LeBron James taking his talents to L.A. Um, but you look at the pieces they signed around him. I, I know that we went over this last week, but, you know, LeBron wants more playmakers, and they went out and signed Lance Stevenson, JaVale McGee, Rajon Rondo, Contavious Caldwell-Pope. I don't think that's even close to what they need to compete for a championship, and I don't, I don't even think they can compete with the Houston Rockets right now. No, I don't. I don't think they compete with the Utah Jazz. I don't think they compete with the Thunder. I don't think. I don't think the Lakers compete with much. I mean, LeBron James is the best player in the world, so he's going to get this team in the postseason. But like we said last week, it's just not enough around him. I think they're tanking again this year for next year. Trade for Kawhi Leonard or sign him next offseason, as well as sign somebody or trade for somebody like C.J. McCollum or Damian Lillard. But once again, the NBA's best season is its offseason. And at this point, the offseason drags so long that the NBA is almost a 12-month league, which is absolutely abysmal to me because it's just, it's just boring. I'm over it. Like, I'd rather college basketball go on longer than the NBA. Yeah, it is a little boring. Um, another team I want to bring up that I thought had a pretty decent free agency under the radar, Indiana Pacers. This is a team that took LeBron and the Cavs um, to seven games. And they made, I think, two really key signings. Um, they got an elite shooter in Doug, Doug McDermott. When you look at Indiana, you know, they had the fifth fewest made three-pointers per game in the NBA last season. So I think he'll make that team just even a little bit better. Um, and they got a great scoring combo guard in Tyreek Evans, who I think right now I kind of call him a, a, a poor man's um, – what's his name? I'm blanking. Most improved player in the league. Blank. Vince uh, – the hell's name Victor Oladipo that's that's the name that was escaping me guy that was on my fantasy team this year but I think the Indiana Pacers are going to be a little bit of a team to watch out for in the east 
which I know is about 10 times worse than the West, but we still got to play the 82 games, so I think that's a team that could make a little run on the eastern side of the postseason this year. But that is all the time we have for the Sporting Edge, everybody. If you miss a show, you know where to find us. Liberty Talk. What's up, what's up, everybody? This is Wits and Roz here at the Sporting Edge. We are about to get into something that isn't about a red, or not red, an orange round ball. So let me do the quick talking soccer, since we don't talk soccer on this show very often. Croatia winning 2-1 over England in the semifinal. England up 1-0 early in that match and just literally sat down. They lost complete team chemistry. There was not a lot left to give for them and they blew it in overtime or extra minutes, as they call it in soccer, 2-1. to one. And the other side, France, with a one nothing win over Belgium. Belgium, who looked very dominant coming into the matchup, faced a young France team or French team that is looking to create somewhat of a dynasty, which is hard to do in soccer since you only get a World Cup every four years. So it was good to see France win. It'll be France versus Croatia in the World Cup finals from this weekend or early next week. I really don't know enough about soccer to give you the exact dates on this game. But Xander, as you've been doing all tournament long with very little success, (laughs) do your wits pick. Who wins, France or Croatia? Hmm. This is very interesting. Um, I think France has the better team, but I'm an underdog kind of guy, and I'm going to take Croatia to win the 2018 FIFA World Cup Sunday July 15th 10 a.m. do not miss it now my real question is how and in what world do you believe France has the better team dash how do you know France has the better team other than maybe playing FIFA three times in your life Um, the only reason I think they have a better team is I'm looking at the win probabilities on Google and it says France has a 51% chance to win Croatia has 20%, and the draw is 29%. That's my one stat, I'll be completely honest. So I'm going to assume that France is a little better of a team, just based on those numbers. Okay. I, I fair, like, fair enough. You I like, like that? Google research. I, I think that's fair enough. I just wanted to ask. I think that since we've been getting your abysmal picks all all year long or all a couple of months long, I thought we should figure out where you have some of your stock or statistics. But let's get into Major League Baseball where the greatest player currently in Major League Baseball has made the all-star roster. There was a little bit of a scare, but he'll be playing in front of his hometown in his final season with Washington. Bryce Harper will be a starter on this year's National League all-star team. I'm very excited for that, as well as Javier Baez and the emotional Wilson Contreras, who found out he got his spot as the starting catcher. I'm very excited for this year's all-star game. I love when Cubs get the start, especially when you get more than one. What is your take on the all-star break? right now, Xander. Um, so we're talking about the same Bryce Harper that's hitting 218. Is that the one we're talking about? Yeah, he's the greatest player in the world. Okay, just wanted to make sure. Um, I'm ready game. for a psycho text from Rube. <laughs> All-Star game, a lot of fun. Fun weekend. I mean, home run derby. Um, I think super fun to watch. It'll be, it'll be fun to watch Bryce Harper. He is the home run derby favorite right now, but I just have a huge beef with the All-Star game right now. Um, Blake Snell, a lot of love for him this year. Drafted him on my fantasy team. Thought he could have a breakout year. And, you know, he's done that and even more. 
Um, 12 and four right now, leading the AL in ERA, a little over two. And Blake Snell is not going to be a 2018 All-Star. And I think this just reflects a major problem with the way that the MLB selects All-Star pitchers. Um, you heard it from Chris Archer. But I give him a lot of credit, a lot of support for his teammate. It'd be on you know Twitter. Saw a couple different videos, and I didn't know that you know the MLB um, they vote for the pitchers through an actual mail ballot sent in by the players. That's kind of ridiculous when you think about this day and age. But look at Blake right. Snell's statistics: twelve and four with a two point zero nine ERA, has one hundred thirty two strikeouts in one hundred sixteen innings, and is top five in basically every major category pitching wise in the AL and in the major leagues the fact that he's not an all-star this year is I think a travesty and it sucks for him because you know when you look back at careers all-star selection you know is it that big of a deal probably not but I think it's it's a nice thing to you know it's a nice thing to get you know the well, I don't even know what word I'm trying I'm, I'm losing my words I'm losing the recognition steam. Yes, it's nice to get the recognition from the league that you're one of the top players. And the fact that he's had such an unbelievable year on a team that isn't very good. Um, Tampa Bay Rays playing in, in a division with two of the most fearsome lineups in baseball with the Yankees and Red Sox. Um, and you look at his past, I think it's like his past eight starts, went 7-1 and one with like a 1-2-1 one, one ERA. And it was against teams like the Yankees, Red Sox, Astros twice, Nationals, Mariners. It's it's ridiculous. It's a travesty, and I'm sorry that he's not going to be at the game. Yeah, I I agree with you on that, and I think that's very weak on um, the part of Major League Baseball and their players for not recognizing talent. I mean, I heard some people throw away votes in terms of choosing their own teammates or just not even submitting the ballot. So it's unfortunate people like Blake Snell get snubbed. Um, I I also have a question about the all. All-Star game, or not All-Star game, the Home Run Derby, where there's going to be seven of the eight contestants from the National League, and that they can only get one American League batter. I'm not sure how that happens. Um, I do not put together the Home Run Derby. I was not asked to this year. I don't have that much power. But how is it that they only were able to get one player out of the American League for that competition? That is a great question. Um, I haven't really looked too much into the Home Run Derby. But, I mean, I guess we can give you a little quick rundown. Um, we got Jesus Aguilar from the Brewers, who's having a breakout year. Glad that he got voted in. We got Reese Hoskins um, from the Phillies. Alex Bregman from the Astros. Kyle Shorer from the Cubs. Javi Baez, all exciting. Mr. Baez from the Cubs as well. Max Muncy having a fantastic year for the Dodgers. I think he's got like 25 homers now. And we got Freddie Freeman and Bryce Harper. So our only AL contestant is Alex Bregman. Um, interesting, and like I don't want to, I don't want to make any any calls on how they couldn't get more AL guys or how they picked the the contestant because I really have no idea. Um, but yeah, it is it it is interesting that they could only come up with one guy from the AL. But I think part of the reason um, it has to do with that some guys don't want to do the home run derby. I mean, just because you're eligible to participate doesn't mean that you, you have to do it. I think it'll be it'll be exciting nonetheless, and I think I'll, I'll still enjoy it. I I 
Schwarber is the underdog to me. I think if you give Schwarber the ball he wants, that ball's out of the park every single time. I think the guy's going to win the home run derby, plain and simple. I know Harper is my guy and is the favorite, but Schwarber's a scary guy to have in a home run derby. That's what somebody who knows his spot, when that ball's in that spot, it's going 500 feet. So it's uh, I'm very excited for the potential of Schwarber in the home run derby. Yeah, Schwarber will be exciting. Um, and I just want to give a little shout-out to Chris Davis with a C on the Orioles right now. Having on pace to have one of the worst seasons in the history of Major League Baseball, let's take a quick look inside the stats. Not only are the Orioles on pace to go 45 and 117, um, Chris Davis is hitting 158 right now with a 234 on base and a 281 slugging percentage, a 43 OPS plus, 110 strikeouts and 278 bats, a negative 2.2 war. And this is from a guy who has led Major League Baseball not once but twice in home runs in a season, looking at the worst batting average ever for a qualified player, 179. That was Rob Deere in 1991, tied with Dan Ugla, um, formerly of the Braves and Marlins in 2013. And you look at Davis's ranks among those qualifying for the batting title to a certain amount of plate appearances. There's 163. Davis ranks last in average, second to last in on-base and slugging, last in OPS, OPS plus, war, and weighted runs created plus, and has the third worst strikeout percentage in baseball. Um, There's not much else to say besides that Chris Davis has been historically terrible and is on the third year of his seven-year $161 million deal. I think this deal might have topped the Albert Pujols deal, um, which, you know, wasn't super bad. I mean, the guy's still hitting some homers, but a lot of people were saying that was a terrible deal um, because of his age and the injuries. Still love Albert, but Chris Davis. um, Here is not a nod to mediocrity, but to absolute terribleness, and that is all the time we have here for the Sporting Edge, everybody. If you miss a show, you know where to find us. LibertyTalk.fm, AMF247.com. We'll be back next week with a World Cup winner and some more talk about the MLB. Revolutionary talk for revolutionary times. Promoting peace, liberty, and prosperity around the clock. LibertyTalk.fm.